HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by White Oak Pastures, a five-generation Georgia-based beef and poultry farm determined to conduct business in an honorable manner. For more information, visit whiteoakpastures.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Laura Stanley. And welcome to the second installment of our five-week series in honor of Farm to School Month 2014. Last week, we got off to a pretty ambitious start with a substantive conversation about USDA-approved procurement strategy. That's stuff you really need to know if you're serious about Farm to School. And you can listen to the podcast of that episode and download resource material at our new website, InsideSchoolFood.com. So today we're going to take a look at what local procurement looks like in practice in one district in the beautiful Lower Michigan Peninsula. Uh, Traverse City Area Public Schools, or TCAPS, is buying a lot more than the cherries that the region is famous for. TCAPS students enjoy lots of other local fruits and a growing supply of locally grown veggies, and um, they're eating some of them year-round, which we're going to talk about shortly. Um, In TCAPS, it really has taken a village to bring the region's growers into the schools. I'm excited to bring their story uh, to you today because it's a story of how community can come together around farm to school and how so many stakeholders throughout the community can benefit when that happens. Uh, Our first guest today, um, Mark Coe, is with the Goodwill Industries of Northern Michigan, which is involved in supplying vegetables and freezing them. Again, more about that shortly. It's pretty exciting. Uh, After station break, we'll be speaking with Tom Freitas, Food and Nutrition Services Director at TCAPS, and Megan McDermott, who is a Food Corps service member stationed at the district. So good morning, Mark. Good morning, Laura. So you told me that you got into this work uh, initially as a farmer. You formerly managed um, a big 1,600-acre fruit and vegetable farm for 10 years, um, which got you into management of marketing, sales, distribution, and labor relations, which pretty, pretty set you up pretty well for your role at Goodwill, where you manage the farm-to-freezer job training and placement program. 
I should also add that you're very deeply engaged in local food system support. You sit on the steering committee, uh, steering committee for the region's food and farming network and the board of the Farm to Institution Network at Michigan State University. Um, so that's a lot. You're doing a lot. Um, so let's just start by letting people know kind of what it's like out there. That The lower Michigan Peninsula is um, – very celebrated agricultural region. I think people know it best for the sour cherries. Um, can, can you just tell us a little bit more of like what the agricultural landscape looks like? And who's farming there? What are they growing? Well, um, in our area, mostly, Laura, is, uh, uh, the agriculture is, is there's a lot more orchards and, and uh, fruits and, and then vegetables, but more and more there's uh, vegetable growers that are enlarging their programs, and with the demand for local products, um, the local fruit and vegetable um, uh, markets have pretty much exploded for, for a lot of local growers. Um, I think Michigan is like second in the nation for the amount of the variety of products that we produce. Uh, and one of the challenges for us is the short growing seasons that we have. Right, right. We'll talk about that. Um, and, and it's a lot of family farms, smaller farms where you are, right? Yes, there are. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the farm I was on was uh, one of the larger in the area. Um, I actually um, uh, am in Manistee and Benzie County, which is adjoining to the Grand Travers, and Leelanau County is up in northwest Michigan. Um, so we have a pretty diverse amount from the small uh, organic grown farms, so a couple acres to, uh, you know, me- small, medium, and large, I call them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we have quite an array of different ones. Right, right. And so the, so the region has really emerged in recent years as a as a foodie destination. You know, you've got a lot of microbrewing going on and all that wine, all that good stuff. Um, how has that kind of changed the farming economy? I, I suppose it's been good for some growers, right? Oh yeah, it's been fantastic. The development of the wineries and the uh, growing of the grapes have have spawned a whole new industry um, in Northwest Michigan, especially in the Travers area. Um, the the new uh, you know craze on the beers of the hops and stuff. There's there's hops farms going in all over the place. Uh, opportunities are there, and uh, trying to develop the the local food movement in in the Travers area is just. It's phenomenal with the amount of restaurants, um, catering businesses, um, uh, the food trucks that are out in the, in the county or in the town now. Are, it's just it's really, really amazing. Farmers markets springing up in every town, so it's it's just phenomenal the way that uh, local food growth is is going on. Right, right. And the reason I asked you this question, Mark, is because I'm assuming that all this activity has driven up prices, which is great for the farmers. But, you know, it also, for me, begs the question, why farm to school? Like, we, you know, with, 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 with everything being so popular and um, the demand being so high, why would local farms want to sell to schools when schools, as we know, can't pay that top dollar? Well, you know, traditionally, uh, people look at schools as, as uh, maybe not a place to sell their resources because of that top dollar. But when it comes down to it and you look at, uh, and farmers learn more about a tiered pricing structure that, that's in any type of, of sales markets, the schools aren't really out of our, our realm. When you look at taking, <clears throat> for instance, uh, a bushel of tomatoes, and the schools pay, you know, uh, and I don't know the numbers exactly, but I know at the time when I was doing some research, they were paying more for a diced um, bag of of tomatoes that were 
um, getting eight pounds, and they could have purchased uh, a 52-pound bushel of tomatoes for the same price. So mm-hmm. with a little bit of labor, they can produce their products at uh, the same and even a cheaper price. Interesting. And and then I, I know that um, Goodwill is involved in, um, I guess, what you'd call gleaning or, or you know, helping with farmers um, find a market for excess or surplus at the end of the season. Is that a motivation well, for involving getting involved with schools? That's not totally uh, a total fair statement. We mm-hmm. do a little bit of that. Um, and in the in the respect that what I would do is offer a farmer you know a fair market value price for his products and he's at the end of his season if he's got a lot of it left over or what have you mm-hmm. but first and foremost I want that farmer to sell that product as a fresh market because I don't want to have to give him a lower price than than that's available I had the situation last week with a uh, blackberry grower called me and said look we're gonna have a huge overrun you know do you guys want them we'll make you a good price on it mm-hmm. I said for sure, we'll take them. A uh, day later, when it came to harvest, they found homes for them, and they sold them all. And I tell you what, I'm more happier that they could do it that way than have to give it to me for a cheaper price. Right. So, okay. Um, okay. We do go out, and we, we uh, talk to farmers. I'm talking to farmers right now about next year's harvest. So I'm, I'm getting farmers to grow products uh, because uh, <clears throat> I maybe should talk about a little bit about what we do uh, so people can mm-hmm. understand the, the process that we go through. Sure. Um, Let's talk about it. Yeah, so I, I came on board. I had a vision a few years ago about uh, freezing local fruits and vegetables for the local farmers to increase our, our market and to increase their markets. And so I pitched the idea to the now director of food services at Goodwill in Traverse City, uh, Goodwill Northern Michigan, um, and, and I told him that, look, you know, I want to do this. I have this plan. And so we were going to do it, actually, um, uh, in a different county. And as things came about, the farm that we worked at said it was too big of a project, didn't want to take it on. Goodwill stepped up and said, hey, you know, we see merit in that. Uh, we can use a job training mm-hmm. to train people uh, in the processing and culinary works and then, uh, and then uh, job placement for these people because we bring in a lot of underemployed, unemployed, disadvantaged individuals. Mm-hmm. And we give them a skill set that uh, for some reason or another they may have, you know, lost track of or just not uh, been able to find something. Mm-hmm. And so we give them a skill set, we train them, and part of their uh, uh, internship after they've gone through a serve-safe training is uh, working in farm-to-freezer, where we process and freeze the local fruits and vegetables, and, and we've developed uh, a product line, and we're marketing them out in uh, in many different markets right now. Right. It, it's, you know, there there are... I, farm to freezer operations all over the country, but yours seems, uh, especially for not for profit, um, especially large and sophisticated. You you uh, you have a big central kitchen, um, yeah. and and you're moving a lot of product, not just to schools. Although I guess TCAPS is your your biggest client for the farm to freezer program. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So um, it it's it's a great story. Um, and so how, how did Goodwill um, end up working with with TCAPS? on the farm-to-freezer program? Well, Brandon Sang is the director of our food services, and Brandon and I were the one that kicked around this idea uh, three years ago. And he came on, <clears throat> excuse me, board with Goodwill last year, and, or two years ago, and he approached uh, and talked with Tom Fritas at the, the TCAP schools and said, look, you know, we're doing this program. Um, we're, we're freezing local fruits and vegetables, and we're going to have quantities available to you because of the school size of the TCAP school districts that, that can supply all your schools. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was one appealing thing that the two of them discussed and, and, uh, 
and came to to terms on that uh, that we can handle and do what the needs are for a big school district, and that we will um, uh, make a commitment to supply the demand. And so they have grown this relationship. Uh, uh, started it last year, which. Uh, Brandon was purchasing from me while I was still working at the farm to supply products for the farm to freezer program and then in January I actually came on board with Goodwill to manage the farm to freezer program and and scale it up from here. Right, right. So what what are you um harvesting and freezing for the schools? <clears throat> well, the, there's there's quite a array of things. Last year we had six products uh on the menu. Uh this year we're going to be close to 20. Um speculating some things out, but in the fruit line um we are doing uh, um, strawberries, blueberries, uh, sweet and tart cherries, pitted. Um, we are doing apple slices and peach slices, mm-hmm. uh, Saskatoons, and uh, I think maybe that was everything in our, in our fruit line. We're playing around with some actually organic uh, products now to develop an organic line. of. Uh, we've got strawberries and tart cherries in line right now for sure, and and hoping to do blueberries yet again this year. Wow, wow. Um, and I have to mention the Romanesco broccoli. Yeah, that's the vegetable line. Yeah, the yeah. vegetable okay. line, uh, uh, we start with asparagus in the spring. Uh-huh. Um, then we are rolling into, right now we're doing a lot of different cauliflowers. We have colored cauliflowers. We have purple and and yellow and um, white and green. And we have Rom- Bracca Romanesca, which is a form of cauliflower, mm-hmm. which is one of the things that uh, uh, really has taken off in the, the school districts uh, uh, through a program with Food Corps mm-hmm. um, and uh, and teamed up with them on, on getting the Romanesco fresh into the schools. And I think they're going to talk a little about that, more about that in the next segment. Yep. Um, we have uh, built the interest in the kids uh, uh, in vegetables um, uh, with the Romanesco, and now we're going to uh, move on with another product this year, which is kohlrabi, and uh, I'm excited about that. It's a new thing, and we're going to introduce it through Food Corps, and we're going to bring it into the school systems, and it's got a high nutritional value. And um, you kind of you asked a little earlier why I was interested. Well, at one point in time, and no, I guess I still do. I have a vested interest. I have a, a senior in high school at the local school districts where, where I was uh, working down there, and I started uh, getting f- local fruits and vegetables into the schools, not just me. There was a couple other farms. And we started doing that in a big way, and it just is kind of uh, spiraling. Uh, I don't want to say out of control because I think <laughs> we're in control, but right. it's uh, it's gaining legs. Right, right. I-, I have to say that this is going to sound so weird, but kohlrabi is sort of close to my heart. And I and I also think that it's a vegetable that is really good for kids. And and so it's underused in schools. It grows in uh, colder places where the growing, you know, the, the season is shorter, as in, in your region. And it is sweet and crunchy. And as you explained to me when we spoke last week, it holds a long time. You can, you can store it like apples or potatoes over the winter, right? Yes, it does. It has great storage value. Sixteen times the vitamin C of cabbage um, can be used in slaws, can be used as in place of potatoes, fried. You can do it so many different ways. And uh, it is near to me, too. I grew up uh, with a friend that had a German dad, and he grew it in the garden. And uh, I can't tell you how many times we got in trouble for going out there and peeling his kohlrabi and eating (laughs) it right out in the garden, you know, so... Um, but I'm excited about it because it's something new. The Romanesco has like a, uh, uh, well, we call it space broccoli. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a unique look to it, kind of like a king's crown, and that's intriguing to the kids. And, and 
and they got that in you know to in the in the kids hands and it just went uh from there just it's gone crazy so right right uh, one of the things that we're really working hard on with Tom's vision is that Tom um wants to see more local foods in the center of the plate at the schools so farm to freezer is working with him on developing some different things um we did a blueberry muffin uh, for the breakfast mm-hmm. um, and for the schools, uh, we started. We partnered up with a local bakery, and we're supplying the blueberries for that uh, and helping move that out. We're working on a marinara sauce, the the kohlrabi. We're all excited about because it's new and and com- up and coming. So Tom has some other things too that, that he has in mind for us to do, and so we're willing to uh, we'll willing to try it out and, and see what we can move forward with. Right, right. And, and I should add on the blueberry muffin that you, you were able to use, uh, are you, and you are using a central kitchen um, from a, a local uh, grocery store. So that's another example of how the community has really kind of come together around this. You're, you're finding different resources to make stuff happen. Very exciting. Well, thank you, Mark. Um, Folks, we've been speaking with Mark Coe of Goodwill Industries of Northern Michigan about the innovative farm-to-freezer program serving Traverse City Area Public Schools, among other food service clients throughout the region. Um, We're taking a quick station break now, but do not go away, because next up we've got Tom and Megan from TCAPS to tell us how all this local Romanesco cauliflower and kohlrabi and other goodies um, is working for students there. Um, you're listening to Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. Changes come around the bend Shotgun wedding and a story pen About a bishop who gave up his soul To feed a girl from the finger bowl Next time you step up for the intention Remember most the great distinction The deeds that made you go oh, oh, shatter me Sweep me up into your hands Then scatter me With the seeds upon your lands Oh, burn me down Let me wear your golden crown So when I meet St. Peter I don't let you down But poor at prose Teach you to rhyme But nobody grows A slap in the mouth And a push off a cliff Sit on the sea And let yourself drift Break my grief 
and pull me out of a heartbreak hole, but leave some doubt about the good that you can do for me. White Oak Pastures is the only farm in the United States that has its own USDA-inspected red meat abattoir or slaughterhouse and its own USDA-inspected poultry abattoir or slaughterhouse. We partner with Whole Foods to deliver our high-quality meat and poultry from Miami, Florida, all the way to Princeton, New Jersey. One family, one farm, five generations, 145 years. A full circle return to sustainable land stewardship and humane animal stockmanship. For more information, please visit our website, whiteoakpastures.com. Welcome back to Inside School Food. Today we are exploring the broad-based community effort that's building out the Farm to School program in Traverse City area public schools, Michigan, commonly known as TCAPS. In TCAPS, we're seeing a creative use of a spectrum of community resources to bring locally grown and processed foods into school meals. At the helm of all this work is Tom Freitas. Tom, uh, he's the Food and Nutrition Services Director for TCAPS. He's only in his first year at TCAPS after serving as uh, Food Service Director in Sandusky, Ohio for 10 years. So we're going to hear today how he's hit the ground running. Um, with Tom is Megan McDermott, who is a Food Corps Service Worker. She's in her second year at TCAPS under the auspices of the Michigan Land Institute which we're going to hear a little bit more about shortly. Uh, Megan engages community partners in bringing more local food to schools, and she collaborates with teachers to integrate farm-to-school lessons into their curriculum. So Tom and Megan, welcome to Inside School Food. Hi, Laura. Thank you. So Tom, you you were brought in as a guy who's known to be pretty enthusiastic about farm-to-school. Um, you started in Ohio. Um, you know, when did When did you start, and what were you doing there? Well, I started uh, 11 years ago um, as the food service director. Before that, I was I worked my way up from food truck driver, custodian, computer specialist, assistant athletic director, many many hats. Mm-hmm. But um, my passion was always school food service, and uh, that's where I wanted to go, and it's worked out well for me. Right, right, and 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 I know that TCAPS was interested in you because you had already done a lot of pioneering work in Ohio with with farm to school. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about your district. How, how many students do you have there? We we have ten thousand students. Okay, and then what's your free reduce rate? Uh, we're at about thirty five percent somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And and how are you preparing meals? Do you have a central kitchen, or are you cooking in each of your schools? We have a kitchen in every school. Right, right. So you're able to do. I mean, and I know that you're ramping up some of your scratch cooking. So you've got staff that's that's you know behind the stoves there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's we, great. Uh, as part of our wellness policy is to promote as much scratch cooking as possible. Right, right. So the farm-to-freezer program is, is a big help there. Um, what are the kids in your district like to eat? You know, Megan, you can jump in here because I know you work with them on extending their food horizons. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, uh, 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 sorry, Megan. Obviously, uh, yeah. one of the things they like is, like every child, uh, pizza, chicken nuggets, um, mm. pancakes, spaghetti. Right. Um, but uh, due to Megan's work, we've uh, incorporated a lot more of the uh, fresh fruits and vegetables into our uh, 
meals, and I'll let Megan talk about that a little right, bit. Right, right. Go ahead, Megan. Yeah, so we've really found that even things that kids, you know, traditionally you would say kids don't like or that adults perceive them as not liking, things like beets or parsnips, um, we've had kids absolutely love them in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And what's great about our program is we actually collect data on that in the form of votes, so then I can go back to Tom in meetings with him and say, hey, you know, are you willing to try this? Let's talk to Mark and see if he can get someone to grow it and then process it. And then if Tom's willing to buy it, and I sort of play the role of getting the kids to actually eat it. Because if all of these beautiful partnerships happen and the kids don't eat it, and Tom can, can testify to this, it's not going to go on the menu. Right, right. So you're, you're kind of in the role of, of pushing everybody's envelope and demonstrating to Tom, you know, what's possible. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, and, and Tom shows me what's possible, too. Right. I mean, Tom has been just <laughs> incredible with, with starting products here, and, and Mark as well. I mean, I would have never approached Kohlrabi, and that's kind of been Mark's project that's now taken off, and I'm really excited about later this month we'll have a, a local Kohlrabi slaw on the menu at TCAP. I'm so excited about that. As you know, I'm a Kohlrabi nut. Yep. So, so Tom, I, I know that um, you're, you're very interested in the local economy, and, and that work is extending beyond farm to school. You're using local bakers and meat processors. You know, what have you been able to do? How's that working for you? Uh, well, yeah, we've reached out to just, not just uh, Goodwill or uh, Cherry Capital, who is one of our main uh, local distributors. Uh, we've gone into uh, like a Louis Hot Dogs, who is a local uh, uh, meat uh, processor here. Uh, we have artesian breads from Stonehouse Breads. Uh, for our uh, concessions, we're doing uh, Potter's Bakery, uh, cookies and donuts with school colors on it, Mm -hmm. Uh, Max Bauer's Meats, Great Lakes Chips for concessions. So we've added quite a few different uh, venues uh, uh, or just processors to our, to make our, all part of the local. Right, right. And I know on your website you, you advertise these relationships, um, which is really nice because it's, it's good for them and I think it's great marketing for the, for the program. Um, so I, I want to talk about the 10 cents a day, um, or sorry, 10 cents a meal initiative. Um, we could do an entire episode on the Michigan Land Institute, um, I'm sorry, the Michigan Land Use Institute and what they're doing to advance farm to school in your region. And, and we will, I promise, um, just not today. That's a very great, uh, rich subject. Um, but today I'd like to ask you about one pilot initiative that came out of um, Land Use Institute, which is modeled after policy in Oregon. Um, and this initiative provides additional reimbursement for school meals that include locally grown food. Um, so it's 10 cents a meal to be exact. Um, Tom, I know it's a little early to assess the impact of this program since it's only been in place for a year, but you got off to a good start last year. You spent more than $17,000 in um, uh, for farm to school. Um, how's it working for you this year? Uh, it, again, it's a little early, but you're right. Uh, we made, uh, they, they uh, gave us over eight, almost $18,000 last year. Uh, we spent um, probably nearly eighty, eighty-five thousand on local produce. So it, it definitely helped us gear towards that. We mm-hmm. wanted to buy more, knowing that we were going to get that money back. Um, it, it makes you realize that uh, obviously, with the cost of um, school lunches or what we can pur- what we can sell school lunches for, we don't have a lot of um, room for. Uh, fresh produce. So we want to make sure that uh, we can still get it in there. Obviously, right. cling peaches would be much cheaper to go with, but we know the kids will eat the local product if we put it out there. So you get an extra 10 cents per meal, that makes a difference in what we can purchase. So 
it, it really has helped us lean towards more local. I mean, we obviously were committed to local anyways, but that is just one more incentive to do it. And yeah. it, and thank you to Michigan Land Youth Institute for going out and finding sponsors and making that happen. Right, for right. So I, I'm looking forward to checking back in with that project once you've had some time to assess um, the impacts. Um, but um, and I know, but so besides goodwill, I know you're using also. You mentioned Cherry Capital Foods and and the work that they're doing to facilitate local purchasing for you. Um, so they're they're your mainline distributor. Uh, they're not our mainline distributor. Our mainline distributor for local. Okay. Uh, we, okay. We have a uh, mainline distributor for all of our food, but when we when we look local, it's uh, through Cherry Capital, and now Goodwill has kind of teamed up with Cherry Capital to make it easier for us, so that they can also distribute the goodwill food right, for us. Right. So. That's nice. I mean, with, with 11,000 kids in the district, you, you need that, that help. And I understand that Cherry Capital is handling the GAP certification for your local growers, so you don't have to worry about that. Yes, they do. Yeah. And it is wonderful. But you also have some direct relationships. You, you told me that you've got an orchard um, that, you're, that sells directly to the district between the bays. Yes, Between the Bays is a orchard that actually surrounds one of our schools, Old Mission uh, uh, Elementary School. Mm-hmm. So I went out there and I see all these cherry trees and apple trees surrounding our school, and I'm thinking, geez, the kids are watching the fruit grow right out their window. Uh, is there any way we can sell that right. or get you know put it into our meals? So they are literally watching their fruit grow and then eating their fruit. Yeah, and uh, when I when I approached him, he was very uh, open to it and uh, actually gave us a fantastic price at less than uh, what we would even expect because he was so happy to be giving his kids his own fruit, right, because his kids go to that school. So right, right. it worked out very well for us. Yeah, yeah. And and with the new um, uh, f- food coming from the Goodwill Farm to Freezer program, you're able to serve um, some of this local stuff that you're buying year round, right? You've got you've got stuff on the menu all even in deep winter. That's locally yes. now. Yeah. Definitely. Uh that that has made a big difference cuz uh, like Mark said we only have a, a so long a growing season up here, so you know, if you're going to do local, you have to find other ways to introduce it into the program later in the year and um the farm freezer definitely gives us that ability to tell Mark what we'd like to see later in the year, and he goes out and gets it for us, and then we have it uh, on our menu year-round, which also helps our 10-cent certification to be mm-hmm. able to continue to get that money year-round. Right, right. So it, it, we, we do have to mention, though, that, you know, you're doing all this great stuff, and yet you, like any other district that has um, a minority of students uh, qualifying for free and reduced, you did take a hit to your participation with the new regs. Um and and I'm just wondering, like, how how is the local program helping you build that back up, and and where does the food core participation come in in in, in helping you do that? Well, as uh, you said earlier in program, this is a foodie town, so our our community loves local uh, produce, loves local um, us to use local. Uh, Companies, anytime we can, they want to help support the economy. We have called the Fate of Michigan up here, which is to be buying 20% by 2020. Uh, these are all great programs, and our community is behind it 100%. So as uh, we put more local on and they see that we're teaching their kids about local, the parents obviously are going to be uh, encourage their kids to buy that local right. product from us. So, right, right. And Megan can go more into the food core side of it, but... Yeah, you make it. You want to weigh in on this question because it's a, it's an important one. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and like I said earlier, you know, if all of these beautiful partnerships happen and everything goes right, if the kids don't eat it, that's that's the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that we come in is really trying to get kids invested in the product early, early on in the form of the classroom education. Um, so that means working with teachers, working with administrators, going into the classroom, teaching kids what healthy food is, teaching kids about local economies, and that's something they have to learn in elementary school. Yeah. Um, so we, we recently did a lesson on tomatoes and learned about direct farmer-to-consumer relationships versus trying to be a consumer buying a tomato from a grocery store in Michigan in January and what that looks like and how the farmer ends up with less money at the end of that and you end up with a less tasty tomato. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't know you were doing that. that. That's that's fantastic. But and, and you're also just familiarizing kids with the food and how it tastes in the classroom cu- curriculum as well, right? Exactly. And we have a lot of sort of classroom devices where we've been trained in classroom management and we work with the teachers to really make sure that the kids are getting a tasting experience. And so seeing it on the lunch line as this, you know, all the parents are behind this new fancy menu item that's local and sustainably sourced and all these things, you know, all the buzzwords, the kids don't respond to that. They respond to it tasting good and being something that they're familiar with. So we'll do things like butternut squash fries. Fries are a familiar form for them. Squash seems like something that they could never be interested in, but they loved it. Yeah. When they tried, they'd heard about it in the classroom, they tasted in the cafeteria, and then I can go back to Tom and say, all right, the kids are ready for it. And then, you know, Mark gets someone growing it, we get someone processing it, it all comes back together. Right. So it sounds like food core, you know, in some cases can be that secret sauce. Mm-hmm. Makes it happen. That's great. Well, um, Tom and Megan, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Um, and as I said, we'll, we'll visit your region again because there's, there's a lot more to this story. Um, uh, folks, we have been visiting with Tom Fritas, who is Food and Nutrition Services Director for Traverse City Area Public Schools in Michigan, and Megan McDermott, who is a food core service worker assigned to the district. Um, they joined us on Inside School Food today to help us in our celebration of Farm to School Month 2014. For links to more info about everything we talked about today, including a gorgeous video about Goodwill's Farm to Freezer program, You can visit us at InsideSchoolFood.com. And while you're there, please sign up for our newsletter uh, so that we can learn more about who is listening and how we can better serve you. Next week, join us to learn about why food uh, uh, farm-to-school advocates are encouraging districts to formally evaluate the economic, social, environmental, and public health impacts of their local purchasing. I'm Laura Stanley, and I look forward to welcoming you back. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.